The Koi Gig Pod. I wouldn't care if Megan Campbell didn't have hamstrings left. If yeah. she just stood on the sideline, she has to play. And subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to edit my can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Welcome along. Football Show is here between 9 and 10. Latest in the Champions League, Chelsea home and hose this evening, full time is in. Chelsea 2, Salzburg 1 away from home. In Chelsea's group, Milan 1-0 up away to Dinamo Zagreb, 48 minutes on the clock. On to Group F, Celtic are 1-0 up at home to Shakhtar Donetsk, 50 minutes on the clock. Real Madrid 2-1 down away to Leipzig in Celtic's group. On to Group G, we have Borussia Dortmund 0, Manchester City 0. And Sevilla, 3-0 winners against Copenhagen earlier on in Group G. Haaland is playing this evening. City with a good old-fashioned 4-4-2 for uh, much of the game this evening. And then Benfica, 3, Juventus 1 after 48 minutes. Meanwhile, PSG 4-1 up against Maccabee Haifa. Goals from Messi on 19 minutes. Mbappe on 32 minutes. Neymar on 35 minutes. Messi on 45 minutes. Dan McDonnell, Irish Independent. Hello. Evening, Joe. Just saw somebody... um, who's watching the uh, PSG game saying Messi in the best form of his life since probably 2017-2018 Oh yeah it's like, I think the best form since as opposed to the best form of his life like, the best form of his life would be a high bar wouldn't it is, is that even possible since, since 2017-18 yeah his best form you know they're just being pedantic about sentences there really mm-hmm. but like can it really be possible that he could get even close to where he was I mean I no. don't know no. Like I mean, you you want to believe like the World Cup's coming. Well, I that's mean, why he's in such a good form. You think? Can oh, he can he trade himself to peak like that yes. at that time? I think he hasn't sat, exactly worked before. Sat down with everybody around him and said, "How do I peak for this World mm. Cup?" Absolutely. Well, he did get Player of the Tournament for it. No, no, uh, no. That is true. He actually has like in twenty fourteen. Eight years ago, excuse me. Yeah, like oh, tra- tra- time going? I know. Um, but like in twenty eighteen, he had a rubbish team and he sort of pulled them through. Yeah. Um, a game as well too, but. Um, yeah, like 2014 actually did play pretty well at the tournament, just missed one chance in the final and, and like it goes into scoreboard journalism, it goes into history like he had a bad time for it or something. But um, it would be nice to think that Messi could. I mean, he won Copa America, like, you know, it'd be nice to think he could he could somehow mm. somehow be involved. But you just you just feel with um, the PSG lads, can you really get a handle on their form? You know, can you really, like, you know, they, they, they there's, you you want you want to you want to see it in the World Cup to believe it if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Maccabi Haifa, like, you know they've they've caused a couple of shocks. They're a good side in their own right, but it's still not the type of game you'd be thinking. Okay, he's he's back. I would think playing in Ligue 1 when you're on PSG's team is uh, a great way to imbue you with a sense of confidence. But that's that's the thing. Just feel good. That's the thing. You know, like, that's the slight that's the slight concern. Uh, Guero, uh, Sergio Aguero has been talking on El Chiringuito, the uh, famous show. Have you ever watched El Chiringuito? Is that the Madrid show with the sort of the, the music and the sort of dramatic uh, intonation? The ominous soliloquies to camera. Yeah, I mean, have I ever watched a full episode? No, I've just watched the same clips that you have. Yeah. <laughs> have you watched a full episode? I keep meaning to. Uh, I mean, do I you? No, you know? I, I do keep meaning to. I want to see what's it. Like, it has to settle down. 
it can't just be him talking like that for an hour. But does, does it not then like you know segue off to someone dancing or something? Am I confusing that with the, the the Italian sort of panel shows? Do you know you'd see Trap and like Trap would be on a serious uh, when he was Ireland manager? Like you'd occasionally get word that Trap had done an interview in Italy, and like Trap would a be interviewed on screen and then b there'd be like again there'd be four local women like dancing on the stage while Trap would be sitting there looking quite happy with life, right. and then returning to more. Downbeat comments about uh, football analysis. No, that's like, it's like, like a Noel's house party style show. I think you know, a bit of football thrown in. El Chiringuito settles down to talking heads around a table. There's no dancing. No fluff, as far as I know. No, I no, think it's, it's a more it's more stern. Yeah, stern discussion. Recrimination, okay. I think. Okay, hurt. So Sergio Aguero was on, and uh, he was talking about Sergio about Pep Guardiola and his strict dietary regime. So he said it was the first season we were between fourth and third in the Premier League and Guardiola said to me I left you out because you turned up fat this week. So Aguero was talking about just how strict it was. He said you'd come across a little bit of chicken for example. I presume he means like in his fridge Mm. of an evening. And you'd come across a little bit of chicken and then you realise you're going to be 50 grams overweight. If your ideal weight is 79 to 80 kgs and you were 80 kgs and 100 grams, you would be fined and you wouldn't play. Kev Kilban had told me this at the time. Yeah. They're weighed and the slightest little bit over, whatever your designated playing weight is, if you are 100 grams over, a couple of grams over, fined and probably wouldn't play. Uh, so he said at the time I didn't have his, his confidence, I didn't have uh, Guardiola's confidence but I was always very respectful to coaches he said Samir Nasri was another player who was punished for being overweight he was made train on his own in 2016 Mm. Uh, but he's uh, effusive about Guardiola and he talks about how he he didn't know how to press until Guardiola arrived Uh, when I arrived Guardiola asked me to uh, press the centre backs I didn't have oxygen to attack I wasn't used to pressing Guardiola taught me how to do it so yeah, it's a couple of I suppose yeah, I, for some reason I'm thinking about Jack Grealish when you're talking about that there. Like and Jack Grealish, like you, you hear stories of remember Jack Byrne talking about it before he would have he'd be mates with Jack Grealish and you know, contrary to sort of yes, he he likes a good time and he likes a night out, but like he would be this is a, in this time it felt like an incredible trainer as well too, and incredibly d- dedicated and devoted. You know, but you see Grealish, you know, he enjoys still tries to enjoy a smidgen of a normal life, but clearly Okay, he hasn't always been in the side, so you kind of wonder has he fallen foul at times of this? I mean, maybe that question springs to mind, but like he has been involved when he is involved on a regular basis. You're thinking he must be doing things okay within that regime. You're telling me now, Jack Grealish hasn't turned up 100 grams overweight for. I'm saying at some stage, just I mean, I. You know, he's seen the chicken in the fridge. You know, <laughs> That's such a great example. Like, like was, I was like, what's the truth there, Aguero? What are you actually talking about? It's not chicken in a fridge. Yeah, like, is it chicken in the fridge? Is it a kebab wrapper after a night out? Like, you know, not for Sergio, I would say. Jack Grealish, I'd say at the right time, he knows how to enjoy himself. We've seen, we've, we've literally seen, seen pictorial evidence of this. Unai Emery. Yes. He's back. Aston Villa. I mean, isn't it just, the Premier League just, I mean, it's a monster. Mm. Like it's you can be at Villarreal and you can be challenging for European trophies, Champions League semi finalist, you know, and you can get to that level, and you're going to Aston Villa. Yeah, like you're going to Aston Villa. What are you going to do with Aston Villa? Not being a Champions League semi final. No, not going to be in the Champions League. You know, you might be in the top half. Do you think it's money? Absolutely, and it, but it's the place to be. Like this is the that's thing. what I think it is. And it's driving. It, it is the place where you want to be. It's the place in 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 global football where you want to be at the moment. 
the finances of course helps because people around you will be wanting to drive their clients towards the Premier League the reason but I it ask, is the place to be because I, I asked that question because actually a wage bill is a difficult thing to compete with Premier League clubs on if you're in Spain Yeah, but just one individual salary i.e. a manager as evidenced by Diego Simeone being the best paid manager in the world that is an area where European clubs can compete yeah. like it's very possible Villarreal could say oh jeez okay we'll match whatever Villa are paying you will you stay mm. like it'd be painful for them but it's very different to bringing all the players wages up which would just be exponential yeah. cost so that's why I asked do you think it's it's about more than money and my, my sense is it's just this is the place to be it is the place to be and and like I said, I mean, and Villa is. I've been to Villa a few times, more so than other clubs in the UK, and like it's a great club. Like, I mean, it is a good place to visit, and in its own right, it's like. Um, Can you put some meat in the bone of that? Comp- some chicken, if you will, uh, <laughs> on the bone of that. It's a great club. Well, I I just I went to see Villa when they were 17th or 18th in the Championship, mm-hmm. and I think they were playing. Well, one of the times I've been, I was there for a playoff semi final, uh, when it was absolutely hopping one time but I remember being I was actually there to watch Reading and Liam Kelly was playing for Reading and like Villa were dreadful at the time lost 3-1 at home it was Reading who were going for promotion at the end of that season um, and yet they're still just like around the stadium uh, around the sort of the atmosphere around the ground like the crowd was still probably around 30,000 and you're looking like God you're struggling in the, the championship here and there's a real sense of like I don't know where the ground's located. It was like families going together. The, these, you know, these pubs, which are clearly villa pubs. It's all the villa people. And you're thinking, yeah, this club should not be where it is. Like in the same way that, I mean, when Newcastle were in the championship, like they shouldn't have been there either, given the sort of like, the sort of the tradition of the club and the, the, the sort of passion and fervour that does exist. But in saying all of that, in a complimentary terms, yeah. like it is still a place where the ceiling for what you can achieve um, unless you get taken over by a state like Newcastle, um, is you know you can you can get you can get so far. Mm. You know you, how far can you actually get? Um, and the problem is right. The Premier League is a monster, and it's great now. But like the the absolute sheer power of the Premier League to go to be able to go and take Unai Emery, you know, from from Villarreal to like a a, a mid table Premier League club who are probably just going to remain a mid-table Premier League club mm-hmm. if he does well they might become a slightly better mid-table Premier League club that's the stuff that like drives the European Super League and all of that closer mm-hmm. because the other leagues are like well how can we this is this is this is going to embolden the people who are still going on about the Super League thing um, so like it's great to be able to enjoy the Premier League circus and the, the, the entertainment and like, we all watch it and talk about it and sit here and talk about it for ages but in a way you sort of end up hating it too in, in, in the sense that like it's it's probably not healthy for football in a European context um, that I mean you see you will see like Premier League clubs mid-ranked Premier League clubs like sign top players from top leagues in other countries that previously you know you would have thought players would have wanted to play for that club as opposed to their and that's where it's money mm. as well as the place to be you know so Emery it turns out has been taking English lessons since he left Arsenal in 2019 because I, I, it's amazing how big the good evening thing became because even Gary Lineker uh, tweeted after the appointment good luck and good evening to Unai Emery who's the new manager at Aston Villa and I was looking back at an interview he gave to The Guardian in 2020 and Mm. Emery was saying of his English, I had a decent level, but I needed to improve. When results are bad, it's just not the same. You lack the linguistic depth to explain. He said, take good evening. And he said in 
Yeah. <laughs> mm. he, he he impersonated himself. Say the line, say yeah. the line. Yeah. He said, take good evening. Okay, it's good evening. But when I said good evening, when we won, it was fun. When we were losing, it was a disgrace, is how it was um, mm. talked about. And he was criticised as being uh, almost difficult to listen to. His English was so stilted. And would that be a factor in how well he was doing? So it's interesting that he was very conscious of it. I mean, there's such a multicultural dressing room now it's it's hard to know and Mikel Arteta's English is very accented and has its quirks as well but the good evening thing just became it just caught a, a, the imagination a touch oh it sticks like you have the line and that's it like yeah. it's similar like it's catchphrase slightly, slightly different but like, you know like the American coaches in the Premier League are all sort of when they're winning oh yeah but unfortunately a lot of them have been mainly losing yeah. you know and then it's just like in a different way, like, but they they're sort of they're all ridiculed. They're referred yeah. to as Coach Marsh. Yeah, exactly. And then there was the Bob Brady thing, which started it. And but like, you know, Emery's perspective, like when he went into Arsenal, like he was, that was always going to be the tough job. You mm. know, you're like you're filling big shoes. Then um, he only got like, eighteen months. Like, yeah, like he got that job for a reason. And yes, I mean it's it's the story of you follow a dynasty. Like you you don't last too long. The next guy in, that's a familiar thing. Yeah, and like his, but that's what like his Villarreal story was brilliant. You know, and he did turn down Newcastle. Or he certainly he, you know, he like they had the the interest from Newcastle. Um, so you're sort of thinking he's wedded he's wedded to that to a point. But clearly, I mean, he's been taking his English lessons. He's biding his time. I mean, maybe the game plan for him is to get back into Villa, do well there, and the next super Premier League job that comes up that's where he goes I mean his track record with the exception of Arsenal which as we said would have been a difficult job for anybody is absolutely outstanding I mean you can forget the three Europa Leagues with Sevilla he won French title with PSG Arsenal doesn't go so well but he bounces back brilliantly with Villarreal wins the Europa League at the expense of Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in that famous penalty shootout and then gets to a Champions League semi-final with Villarreal so even if there is a ceiling there, you know, you list out those clubs and they're, they're mid-table with aspirations, even if there is a ceiling there, he's going to more than meet that ceiling at Villa. It's perfect for him. You know, he can get a club with that stature playing you would, to its, you would its think potential. So. You would think so. Although, I mean, like you look at the Premier League this season and, it is, and this is part of the monster as well. Like uh, maybe talking about with the lads on Saturday that, OK, Crystal Palace were playing Everton at the weekend. Um, so you have Vieira and Lampard and they're pretty much with the exception of Moyes sorry as well too like all the other clubs in the bottom half of the table either change manager or pretty much like looked like they were going to change their manager soon that included like Jesse Marsh Rogers, who then had a big win at the weekend but you know Steve Cooper who had that stay of execution mm. and you're sort of looking I mean I think Hassan Hootl is one of the longest serving managers in the Premier League now and he's, what, he's not even four years there so like someone like Emery really like, is he going to be there in, in three years' time? Like, what does it say if he's there in three years' time? Um, mm. Like, has he done well? Or he hasn't done well enough, but has he done well enough to satisfy Philly? Like, there's, the, the shelf life there is so limited mm. because there's, a, there's only so much you can achieve. And as a result, people will get sick of you at a given point unless you're doing something really, really good. Mm. Um, and... But that's the nature of the beast, you know, and that's where, I mean, that's where the financials and all of that comes into it. Like, it's, you get yourself into that market and then see where it takes you. Mm. Uh, we're going to take a short break. They were just uh, some brief tangents. I just wanted to mention the Aguero. 100 grams overweight. You don't uh, play. Well, what is 100 grams? Really like, how can you, can you equate that to like a, like a sort of a, a square of a dairy milk chocolate? Like, you know, how much are we talking? Like, what's 100 grams here? 
0.01 of a stone. That doesn't help. <laughs> no, that's no. still a little bit conceptual. <laughs> that, that, that's, I'm trying to imagine a stone of chocolate now. Like That doesn't really work, you know. During the ad break, how about this for the ultimate teaser? I will Google how much is 100 grams. Give me examples. That Give me examples. Because I, I know we're going to an ad, but yes, I'm always, I'm always struck by uh, is the Tyler Hamilton book, The Secret Race. And of course, like Lance Armstrong, I mean, like there was other things going on there. But I always remember that line of Tyler Hamilton being out training with Armstrong in the evening and they might have like dinner and then dessert and you'd see like Armstrong having a little bit of cake with dessert like a small bit of cake with dessert and everyone's looking at this going oh no we're going to have to train like trebly hard tomorrow because he's had this little indulgence here you know but clearly Armstrong with everything else that was going on no, look, um, you, you admired but, the man but, but he also yeah. but he also possibly knew like with his body like he was probably measuring you know his own mm. his own little his intake of things I would and was able to like you know look at a piece of food and conceptualise what that means to yeah, me yeah, yeah. and clearly it's like the jockeys as the classic example of that they exactly know what will I have a spoon of sugar in my tea like what will that do for me that's that's about as far as it goes but it's inter- interesting to know if the Premier League footballers know like what you know, mm. and clearly because it was, wasn't. I remember the time they had the Manchester United meal plan come out a year or two ago. They all went for a meal in the restaurant, sure, yeah, and there was lads getting stuck into tiramisu or whatever Shocking. for dessert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, feels like that might not be happening as much at City unless you really no. know your body no. extremely well. I do remember Kev Kuban saying to me a while back that he's obsessive about their weight, mm. obsessive. So it's no surprise to hear Aguero say that. Yeah. Speaking of jockeys, I always do remember Kieran Fallon was in years ago. He had a book and uh, yeah, interviewing him. And in the book, like he would talk about jockeys and occasionally they go out for big dinner. And then he'd say afterwards, and this is, you know, not mm-hmm. best practice, but he would say the car park then was just a line in the dark of jockeys puking into the ditch. Afterwards. Oh, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Incredible. It's, 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 it's incredible. Like, and you see, like you see any jockey that's remotely tall now. Mm. And you're just thinking, well, now, I know that there's been stuff about moving up the minimum weights and stuff to try and make... Um, and I think they had to do some of that during COVID I think for various reasons because people couldn't use the saunas um, yeah. in, in the track um, but I mean yeah like those lads like their, their granular knowledge of like what does everything represent for me they you must know? feel it as if they have, eat like, something yeah, like, yeah and that's what they might sweeten the tea but like that's might be a, that could be an indulgence or yeah. like you know a sort of a, a a bite of a sandwich like or something um, it's yeah. Look, we can relate. Fantastic. We can. We, relate. we can. Uh, listen, that's that's the kind of regime you like to sort of get into it before is. you record golf weekly. Or Indeed, something. I like to come on angry. Mm. Uh, so two things: we need to talk about Shamrock Rovers third title in a row. We're going to hear from Stephen Bradley, and I will explain to you what a hundred grams feels like. Look forward to both so, of those things. There's uh, incredible radio on the way. Football on off the ball with Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome back to the Football Show, brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Dan McDonnell is in studio for the evening. So I was reading out the Sergio Aguero quotes on how if you were 100 grams overweight, Pep Guardiola would fine you and often not play you in the upcoming game. To which you asked the not unfair question, how much is 100 grams? Mm. And I gave you a further conceptual answer of Point one of a stone, which probably didn't really capture it. Shed zero light on the. No, topic. I would think so. It wasn't great. So I just did a quick Google there and uh, came across early on 
Nine everyday items that weigh 100 grams. That's this is the website for us. This is like, <laughs> this is this is why the, the SEO, the, the search operators, like these oh people, they God. know what they know what you want. The internet. It's well, fast food for the brain. Someone published this piece on May 30th, 2022. God knows why they did, but we're here anyway. So let me give you some items that weigh 100 grams. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, are you able to eat some of these things? or is that No, you need to imagine this in your body and would you know the difference? <laughs> 22 pieces of paper. <laughs> would, you, would you feel that? Would you know in the morning? I mean, like, are they broadsheet pages? <laughs> no, or, they're you know, standard can you, clar- can you just cl- clarify? 22 pieces of paper. Okay, that doesn't... It seems like that could be a lot. I feel like I want to move on to the next one. 40 pennies. 40 pennies? US pennies. It's a US website. 100 grams? Yeah. Four AA batteries. Four AA batteries and Pep, sorry, if someone is 100 grams over, they're in the bad books. Don't train, you're fine. I mean, four batteries seems like... <laughs> you seem like the small piece of chicken he yeah, was talking Yeah, like about. it does, like I mean... Sorry, he's, he's militant about it. This is why Aguero was telling the story. He's not saying to... The weight of four... Chiringuito. Of, yeah, that I know obviously it's obviously different how you process thing. it and all, but still like four batteries, yeah, that's... It's tough. Yeah. That's why he brought it up. You know, uh, clearly for Aguero, this is not normal. Grams this is crazy. not normal. Yeah, yeah, this is this is really, really like on top of it. Uh, they have a medium tomato. See, I mean, that's that's at least that's a food based reference. Like temporarily, I was thinking about the impact of eating four batteries there. Yeah, a small newborn puppy. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Hundred grams, really? Yeah, yeah. apparently. Mm. Box of 100 paper clips. Again, I'm just thinking about someone eating all of these things now mm. rather than actually getting into the serious issue. The bar of soap. The weightier matters, so to speak. That's all nine. Bar of soap. We've exhausted the website. Okay. Bar of soap. Kudos yeah. to whoever put that together. I mean, they never realised that it would one day be the subject of a, of a panel discussion. No. So, Shamrock Rovers, we're about to hear from Stephen Bradley, who was talking to Nathan this afternoon. Uh, Derry slipped up away to Sligo Rovers last night, nil all draw, they needed to win. And so, with two games to go, Shamrock Rovers have won their third league title, Rovers' 20th in total. Only three sides previously have ever done four in a row, including Rovers. Three in a row. The only one has done four in a row. Excuse me, only yeah. Rovers are going for four in a row. To match the team of the 80s? Yes, that's right. The three teams have won three in a row, but obviously one of those teams won four. Yes, that okay. was Rovers in eight, The other four, three being seven. Rovers, Dundalk and... Waterford in the late 60s. 68, 69, 70. Okay. And then, yeah, Rovers 84 to 87. And then Dundalk 2014 to 2016. And now Rovers 2020 to 2022. Now, in a, in a way, you look at two teams doing it in a reasonably short period of time and ask yourself what does that say about smaller leagues in Europe and, and periods of dominance becoming more frequent for clubs which is a, I think a pattern around football in Europe generally particularly in the, the smaller leagues right. you know when you think about it like in long history in the League of Ireland um, and this has now happened twice in the space of a decade effectively it's and it didn't happen yeah. in the sort of 90 years previous So uh, by way of segue into hearing from Stephen Bradley uh, sum up this campaign, this particular Rovers campaign? Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one because I think um, like it, their achievements on paper are tremendous achievements on paper. Yet, I, I still, and I've, I've made this point that it's not meant as a criticism, it's just more a reflection of probably what you would imagine to be the, the case. I still feel like at the end of the year when all the various panel shows are having their team of the year and manager of the year discussions, I, I'm not 
across all codes I mean I'm not so sure if like Shamrock Rovers is going to get a prominent mention there you know um, which is possibly a bit unfair on them but it probably reflects how to really break into this uh, a mainstream element of discussion like do you need to do something like what Dundalk did in 2016 which elevated them to another level um, and Rovers in a way even the fact they didn't even win the title on the pitch themselves in the sense that like it was a Monday night it was a flat game like twice in three years their league win has been another club dropping points and really while there was a mini title race this year it was only because they temporarily opened the door a bit themselves by dropping a few points because they were busy in Europe and they've actually struggled to juggle those two things together. So it's almost been so comfortable for them across the three years that you almost don't get as much respect in that because they haven't been in some epic battle with some team where there's this game that suddenly people turn on to and they see them producing it. It's more like they just keep doing it again and again and again and again. Um, and like the body of work that Stephen Bradley has done is incredibly impressive. Like he started, what you know, uh, twenty sixteen. You had people calling for his head in twenty eighteen. Yes, Dundalk sort of imploded a small bit, which helped. But they've gone from being a little bit of a punchline a period of time ago to winning three leagues in a row, being in the group stages. You know, built their academy, built their their the stadium. Okay, you know, they've got a bit of help, obviously, with that aspect of things, the stadium. Um, but they're in an absolute position of dominance now, where it's very hard to see them uh, relinquishing it easily. Yet, because they maybe haven't had outstanding rivals in that time, they they haven't. You know, people aren't going. Wow, we have to we have to see this Shamrock Rovers team and see what they can do. If you know, if you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. As much as their crowds are up and and like in their own level, they're absolutely flying. But maybe in terms of the broader national discussion, maybe there's reasons why they haven't ne- necessarily penetrated that um, in the way that a three in a row team you think they might. And one last question before we hear from Stephen Bradley. Is it very much the same core of the team? I know they've lost a number of players. Are they on the up? Are they? on the wane potentially is there more in this team mm, I, I think like with this sort of implosion of Dundalk which I've referenced like the the last couple of years they've been probably able to strengthen their squad and get a deeper squad every year pick up some players from Dundalk and, and from other clubs in the league some like I mean, Danny Mandrew for example yeah. like was, was struggling at Bowes or was out of favour at Bowes went to Shamrock Rovers for like 18 months thrived he scored again for Lincoln tonight that's two games in a row in the league when he scored Andy Lyons, who they took at the start of the season from Bowes, is going to Blackpool, going to the Championship. So there is younger players they've improved, but I think definitely a view that what exists of this Rovers side now, they're quite an old team by like League of Ireland standards. Like it's a very young league at the moment, the League of Ireland, and yet at times Rovers would put out a team with six players aged 30 or over in their starting side. That would happen quite frequently. And I think maybe even in Europe they could probably do with that little bit of freshening up and a little bit of speed and attacking departments. So they're very experienced uh, and probably that's why there's a there's a sort of a ruthlessness about how they've won the league and how they've done it. Um, but there actually will be a feeling and maybe this is a worrying thing for their clubs. Like despite winning three in a row, their squad possibly could do with a bit of work over the winter in terms of sort of a bit of regeneration in certain areas. Um, and if they can get that balance right and... and freshen up their age profile a bit there's there's no reason to, to believe that they will go backwards even if they have to make a couple of tweaks Okay well Stephen Bradley was speaking to the media this afternoon our own Nathan Murphy went along for a chat 
Delighted to be joined by the now three-time League of Ireland winning manager, Stephen Bradley. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah, sounds nice. <laughs> uh, so it didn't happen on Sunday night uh, against Derry, the grand finale. Uh, Derry lose last night. Where were you? Were you watching us? No, I was actually at a uh, talk. I went to watch Charles in UCD last night. Um, so Ever the professional. <laughs> so I wouldn't watch it. And we have UCD in, in a couple of weeks, so yeah. I went to watch that. Um, but I kept hearing the, the, the result, obviously, everyone was telling me. So was there a little celebration last night? Yeah, just a little. We uh, went home and, and um, the staff got together and, uh, and we had one or two shandies. Ah, very good, very good. Uh, this is the difference between a player and a manager. Gary O'Neill was saying he had a Nando's on the couch. They don't get to <laughs> properly celebrate. <laughs> no, the players have a game Thursday, which is, uh, yeah, we have to prepare for Thursday and then Sunday, so you don't get much time, obviously. At um, the end of the season, I'm sure they'll have a, a drink or two. When you were sitting down last night and uh, reminiscing over the season, what are the moments that stand out as been really critical to, to winning this league? There's been lots of moments throughout the season. Uh, that's why winning the league is the hardest thing because there's so many challenges throughout the season. Um, but I think Shells a couple of weeks back stands out in terms of the last few seconds of the game. Um, Rory's finish. I think that really swung momentum in our favour. Because it was clear from very early on, from what's the second week of the season up in Derry, when they get that win, that they were going to run you close, that there was a real quality to that side. Of the three, does this does this feel like the most hard-fought one? Um, yeah, just because of uh, group stages of Europe and the fact we've been playing uh, two or three games a week since the summer. So it's definitely been the hardest one in that regard. Um, but that makes it more enjoyable when you actually do go and get it done. And it's been difficult as well with injuries and managing injuries. You know, people point to the squad depth, but you've really needed it with you know, Pico Lopez been out for so long, Jack Byrne struggling and struggling to play a full 90 minutes even when he was fully fit. Uh, Graham Burke, it felt like he probably never fully got going as well. You've really utilised every member of that squad across the season. Yeah, we spoke the first day of pre-season as a group saying what our aims were and, um, and, and understanding that if we, if we got to achieve some of them that we'd need everybody to play their part. Um, uh, and the group have been incredible at buying into that and understanding that uh, there's been weeks that they won't play and then there's been weeks where they might play two or three games in that week so they've been fantastic as individuals and the team and in, in that regard in terms of understanding when it's time to, their time to stand up that they're ready Because on the outside that would have been one of the questions early in the season is how you get that balance of, of talking to a Graham Burke or a Danny Mandreon saying actually you're going to sit this one out for the first hour like they're not easy conversations to have with players who, who feel they're amongst the best in the league and should never be sitting on a bench yeah the top players that's the reason they're here um, but I think we've built that relationship over time that we can have them conversations and, and they understand that everything we do is around the group um, and always has been always will and and if we feel that there's one individual that feels that he's above that or doesn't buy into that well then they, they don't belong here and um, so I think it's important that the right characters are here to allow you to be able to rotate like we do. Uh, you don't want to talk about individuals, I'm sure, but I'm going to force you on a couple of them from uh, back and from front. Uh, Alan Manis, 40 years of age. I know how I was creaking getting out of bed this morning. He's been exceptional. It's hard to think of a game where he didn't make a couple of big saves. Yeah, incredible. Um, I think uh, a lot of people at the start of the year were looking at his age and, and thinking, can he be the keeper he was? I think he's been. this has probably been his best year since he's been back. I think he's been fantastic. Um, he's made big saves and uh, in vital moments in, in games throughout the season and um, he's been brilliant around the dressing room um, 
he, he's been fantastic. And at the other end, Rory Gaffney, you said after the game you feel you know he's been the best player in the league this season. Like at 33, are, are you in, in any way a bit surprised as to the level he got? Even watching him on, on uh, last Friday night, like it was men against boys at times, the strength that he has, the control, he, he, the confidence that he seems to have in himself at the moment. No, I'm not surprised. I played with Rory before he went to England. Um, and I knew the quality he had I seen up close. And, and when you know his character, um, you know he just has to be right in terms of injuries. And then what you, what we've been seeing all year, you, you get from him, like, you know. Um, I think he's, I've said it already, I, for me, he's the best player in the country this year. I don't think anyone comes close to him. I think he's uh, he's been unplayable at times, like he was against St. Pat's. Um, and he's, he's had to manage the last four weeks with, with a bad injury he, he's just uh, been very rare to be in training he's just been going game to game so uh, yeah he's been like I, I feel he's been the best player in the country When a team has been as successful as Shamrock Rovers there's going to be an awful lot of scrutiny and particularly in the last few weeks even though you've been closing in on the title it seems to have increased because of Europe and the results and even I think the at the cup game against Derry and the rotation how have you found that process of having to rotate and maybe not being able to put out the team you want all the time because I suppose for the supporters these are huge games for them and they're looking going like we want to win everything mm. yeah no I, I totally understand that and I understand people from the outside uh, being slightly disappointed at times in terms of uh, we're not playing what they would consider the best team but I said from the start that I trust the group if you're here you're here because I feel you contribute to the team and the group um, we all know you're at your best when you're playing the same 11 week in week out but you also got to be sensible and, and, and you can't do that you look around Europe at the moment Liverpool, Arsenal, Celtic uh, they're all making changes uh, when they've got big games and we're no different um, and when you make so many changes it does disrupt your rhythm and uh, and uh, definitely hurts the team, but you have to think of the players' welfare and, and, and understanding that it's a long, long season and make sure they're ready for it. Do you feel there's an opportunity now in the last two European games then with the pressure off, with the league campaign done, for the players to really go and express themselves and show what they're about in Europe? I think, look, I think some of the, a lot of the criticism has been really harsh in, in Europe. I think uh, Joe Garden's at home, you watch the game, we should win the game. Uh, Molda last week, we should win the game. They score a first goal, it's three yards offside. We had real chances to win the game. Um, Mulled away, we deserve to get beat. We, that was a totally different game. I take responsibility for that. We were thinking of the league coming uh, on the Sunday. Um, and Ghent away, we shouldn't win the game, but we have chances to get a point there. So um, I think, again, a lot of people look at results based rather than performance. And when you break down the performances, we've had Ghent, we were just okay. Mulled away, where we were really poor. Other than that, we've been good. And if, if we bring that into Torsti, I, I feel we can, we can go and win the game. How difficult a decision was that Molda away one? That maybe it's justified now because you're the champions, but you know, you're a manager, you've got your own ambitions, you want to show Europe mm. what you're about as well. To make that sacrifice, it probably, I'm sure, it didn't rest easy on your shoulders. No, it wasn't nice. Um, it's not something you want to do. Uh, but my, my thought process has to be the bigger picture for the team and the club. Um, and our bigger picture was, was, uh, was shells on the Sunday. Um, and like you said, it's not nice standing there. Um, I felt we, we can have a go at Mulder like we showed at home, but you got to be sensible and think of the travel. you got to think of the distance the players are going to cover. And I've got to minimise that as much as possible. And, and uh, we did that on the night. But what comes with that is a, is a poor performance. And, and you get beat 3-0 quite comfortably. I don't think we had a shot, which never really happens for us. Um, 
but look, I Roy Gaffney turns one in the 94th minute three days later, and yeah, well, I, I think if, if we don't, if we go there and, and open up and and cover 13, 14 k and have a right go at them, I don't think you have the five or six players going till the 94th minute against Shells that we had on the Sunday. So, um, like I said, our job as staff is to look at the bigger picture. You had a couple of very important weeks personally in the middle of the summer. Firstly, on the football side the decision to stay at Shamrock Rovers and not go to Lincoln. Again, a decision now that uh, looks like a, a very wise one. Can you give us your reflections on that period and, and your thought process? Yeah, just like I said, Lincoln, I said at the time, are a very good club and had real plans and really good people behind them. Um, and they're going to be successful in their way. Um, I've no doubt they will be. Uh, but I felt that, that we don't finish business. I felt we were at a really good moment. Uh, when I spoke to the board, I spoke to to people who advised me, and and um, I I spoke to the players, and I felt we had we had unfinished business, and and um, yeah, look, I'm I'm the type when you make a decision, uh, you don't look back, you go with it, and and uh, that's that's exactly what I done. I made the decision, and I was really happy with it. It came around a time of massive personal turmoil as well. You spoke about your son Josh and his illness, and talking to Gary O'Neill there, he said that was a real factor in the players' minds over recent weeks that they knew every victory gave you and the family a bit of happiness, a bit of joy. Like From the outside football, it's very hard for people to know what's going on. How has that been for you, been in here every day, been at matches? I'm sure in one way it's a distraction, but at the same time it takes you away from probably where you want to be. Yeah, it's been a brilliant release for me uh, to come in every day and, and work with these players and the staff and take my mind off uh, what's been toughest year of our lives um, but I think the players I asked the players when it happened to uh, to do everything possible to, to allow us Josh to lift that trophy for us and, and get the medal and and um, they've more than held their end of the bargain they've been incredible and in, in how they've gone and done that um, for themselves for the club and, and uh, for the staff but for Josh so um, yeah, I'll be forever uh, in the death. Yeah, I'd say he woke up a happy young lad this morning and hopefully Sunday night against Derry can fully enjoy those celebrations. Yeah, hopefully he's well enough to, to come to the game and and um, and celebrate with the players because, again, um, they've done it for him and, and he'll be the happiest little boy in Ireland on, on Sunday. You, as a manager, of course, say we don't talk about three in a row. Uh, you know, Gary said it was brought up about getting the second star. The 20th league title is actually something that now, forever, for their careers, they're going to be able to look back at Shamrock Rovers and see two stars and go, we were the players, mm. we were the group. Like, there must be a, an enormous satisfaction in that, that you've made that, that history over the past few weeks. Yeah, that was our aim. Uh, we spoke about this at the start of the year. That, um, I wanted this group to be the group that put the second star on the jersey because, like you said, when we're long gone, um, we'll always be that team that's that's uh, recognised as the team that got that second star and that's something that can never be taken away from you um, and we, we've done that um, now we've we've got to enjoy it and then see how we get four, four in a row five. come on four in a row yeah we've got to see 35 years is it since four in a row how we get how we get four and uh, hopefully we can get four and how we get five that has to be the plan we have to think like that and we can't stop we can't think job is done uh, we enjoy this we celebrate this because you have to and we will um, but then when we uh, next year it's about Gone for four and then go for five. Uh, Thirty-seven years of age, three-time league winning manager. Do you ever worry about peaking too early? I <laughs> 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 probably have peaked already. Um, no, I think it's about hunger. It's about your desire to want to improve. Um, and, and right now, that's definitely definitely burning inside. Well done, Stephen. Enjoy Thanks the celebrations. Much. Thank you. I will.